Welcome to Speaking Candidly with Candace, where we talk in depth with everyday people about their fears and challenges and how they have overcome them. I'm your host, Candace Schoner, and I hope over the next half hour, you'll be inspired and enlightened and engaged. I am speaking today with our guest, Cynthia Hash, founder of the Mitchell Hash Foundation, a nonprofit organization created to lift the stigma and erase the shame of suicide. Suicide is a major national pu public health issue in the United States. In 2017, there were over 47,133 recorded suicides, according to the CDC National Center for Health Statistics. On average, the annual U.S. suicide rate increased 24% between 1999 and 2014, from 10.5 to 13 suicides per 1,000 people, the highest rate recorded in 28 years. Due to the stigma surrounding suicide, it is suspected that suicide generally is unreported. In 2015, my guest Cynthia Hash founded the Mitchell Hash Foundation in honor of her son Mitchell, who died by suicide. Cynthia has been a realtor in Central Virginia for nearly 20 years and is the team leader of Find Home Team at Keller Williams Realty. She is currently the host of God's Grace Radio on WINA. And I want to welcome Cynthia to the show. Thank you so much, Candace. I truly appreciate you being here. I know that we're going to be talking about a very serious subject. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes to say that my condolences on your, your son, Mitchell. Um, I'd like to start with one thing that you pointed out before was I could have introduced in saying people who commit suicide, but you had mentioned that it's proper to say by, died by suicide. Can you explain that to our listeners? Absolutely. Uh, after Mitchell died by suicide, I realized that the word committed felt harsh, uh, even though it was a harsh, resounding, shattering experience to have lost a you know, it, to lose anyone by suicide, but especially as a parent losing a child, it just seems um, insurmountable to get over. Um, I must say that the the word committed just just was almost like it kept opening the wound. And um, so I took some classes at uh, Region 10, and we also support Spark, by the way. Um, and the uh, uh, classes were very educational in regards to safe talk. Mm -hmm. And one of those is that, uh, to where instead of saying committed suicide, you say died by suicide. Uh, and that's to help the ones who are left behind. Uh, because, one of the reasons, is because a suicide is created, is treated as if it were a crime Hmm. rather than, um, you know, something that is a tragedy that, even though a tragedy is a tragedy, somebody dies, it's a tragedy. But when, you, when it looks as though it's treated with police and, you know, so forth, and it's like a very um, 
um, it just almost hurts more uh, because it's like, well, he, I mean, yeah, I suppose that, you know, he shouldn't have taken his own life, but at the same time, what caused him to do that? Was there, was there, you know, was there anger built up? Was there uh, depression? Was there, you know, um, being mentally unwell in some way? Uh, you know, he was in the military for five years, you know, what, what could have happened? And so the word committed actually has, I've tried to take that out of my vocabulary because it's actually been treated like a crime. Well, I, I think that we need to be more sensitive, mm -hmm. and I know that part of the foundation's purpose is to destigmatize yes. suicide. Can you tell us first, well, not first since we've talked about that, but I'd like to know a, a little bit about Mitchell. Share with us hmm. about your son. Thank you, and that is, I will tell you, one of the things that parents will typically want to do, and that is to keep their child's name or their, their child's memory alive and because it's all we have left right. and so um, when we created the foundation it was uh, not just to honor him but uh, also the fact that we um, I personally uh, felt as though we needed uh, to do something because there was just no way I wanted anyone else to have to feel this kind of pain and I, so, you know, I don't know why, but I'm kind of a protective kind of person, mm -hmm. you know, if I try to help others and, and whatnot. Um, and that night, I will tell you, I was in such a dark place uh, that I just, I locked myself in the car after basically taking care of everybody else in a way. Uh, locked myself in my car and just started uh, screaming and hollering and yelling and crying and just it's one of those guttural kind of cries that really hits you from head to toe and um, and I just was banging my arms and fists and everything against dashboards and whatever was there until I was black and blue and I just wanted to help you understand that the, the first thing, not the first thing that came to my mind, but during that period of time there was this calling. Mm -hmm. uh, literally I heard words that was, and I, I, I'm a believer, uh, that I believe was from, from God, and that was, this shall not be in vain. And even though it wasn't a conscious thing at the time, it just evolved Im immediately mm. into the Mitchell Hash Foundation. And we have helped literally dozens of uh, people overcome, get over that hump, you know, uh, turn their life around, get help, um, that sort of thing. Before I forget, let's share the website for the Mitchell Hash Foundation. So it's a Facebook page, you'll find us there, uh, but the, if you put in MitchellHashFoundation.com, you will get the Facebook page. Okay. Uh, we do have a website that we're working on uh, on the side uh, that's more static, 
but that actually gets a tremendous amount of exposure. Well, I found that that had a lot of resources, mm -hmm. and because you know there's so many people struggling with pain and mental illness or mental health issues, as I prefer to call it, um, there's some great resources, and we'll share those at the end of uh, this interview. Um, so Mitchell was in the military. Yes, he, he was, was in the Marine Corps. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. And at what age? And I think I did misunderstand your question for yeah. for the moment, and I apologize That's for that because okay. sometimes my head goes where I think it needs to, and it's not necessarily to answer your question. So I apologize That's for okay. that. Uh, but it's but I will tell you that um, that going backwards because I guess sometimes I protect myself emotionally, uh, but uh, uh, going backwards, um, I must say. I can remember Mitchell being extremely funny. I mean, from the day he could talk. It, he was always hilarious. Uh, he would make his little sister, April, just crack up laughing all the time. Uh, he was a very good student, always a good student. Uh, he was a good boy. You know, he was a Boy Scout and, you know, Cub Scout. He started as a Cub Scout. And, and, and he, as he... Um, and he was willing to, you know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a job. I'm going to pay for my own gas. I'm going to, you know, those kinds of things. So he's always responsible. Um, I mean, we made sure they, that our children were taught responsibility. And, um, and it was interesting how um, he wanted to go into uh, uh, Spartan uh, and, um, or Emory-Riddle, uh, which was uh, piloting uh, courses that are uh, literally colleges that were for pilots. And we told him that we would help him and we would mortgage the house and do whatever we could to, you know, get him into his career. A Marine Corps recruiter got a hold of him in uh, his senior year in high school. And so he signed up with them. And um, he was, he seemed happy with that. He said, Mom, it's great, you know, I'll be able to uh, get a free education, you know, uh, and so forth. It was post 9-11, it was mm -hmm. right after 9-11. And um, he says, I'll get a, a free education and, and I'll be in the air wing, you know. Right. And, and I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, he'll get to do everything and we won't have to go in debt and he won't have to go in debt and, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, he so he joined and um, uh, and when he came home after five years, his tour was five years, um, he was um, you, you could you could see where he was having a little bit of, you know, acclimating difficulties, but no big deal, right. you know, it wasn't anything that, that seemed insurmountable. Um, he would, he, you know, after we'd talk about it, he'd kind of get over, you know, things. And like he, when he, we went to UVA, and uh, in four years, he was a, a graduate with a mechanical engineering degree. And literally, I was so proud. He, he, he went to, um, uh, he was, it was like 22 or so uh, people that graduated that year with a mechanical engineering degree. Wow, impressive. Yeah, with, and with all the 
thousands that graduated, I was like, that's my boy. <laughs> and you had to be very, very proud. Yeah, very proud. But did you see, I mean, it doesn't sound like there were obvious signs, and I guess that is the problem with suicide and mental health is that we don't always see those signs. We don't. I think probably the only signs that I can remember is, um, and, and the thing is we don't think about suicide right then. You just think, okay, right. well, okay, so he lost his temper for the moment. Right. You know, I mean, who doesn't sometimes, right? Uh, and I remember one time where he had his um, uh, textbook in mechanical engineering because it's not an easy class. <laughs> and, and he came, uh, he came over with us, and he, he, he just was fr so frustrated, and, uh, and he threw his textbook across the room. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, Mitchell, would you like to talk about this for a little bit? And, and we did, yeah. and we did. And he said, because um, we talked about everything, and he said, he, I said, you know, let me ask you a question. Did you go to any classes right before the military ended? Before uh, did you go to any classes that would help you, you know, reacclimate back into civilian life? He said, "Oh yeah, I went to you know the classes that were required." And uh, I said, "How long were they? And you know, did they seem to do you any good and so forth?" He goes, "Yeah, they were fine." He says, "It's a lot of common sense." And he says, but I got this, Mom. See, I didn't know that there were classes yes. to acclimate military mm -hmm. back into civilian life, which seems like a very good idea. It is uh, a very good idea. It's not only a good idea, it's actually required by the military, uh, but it's a particular type of curriculum that, has, that is you know, provided by the military that doesn't have a, um, you know, any it's done in a group setting, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a fairly large, you know, group. Right. And I think you've got that that you know Marine Corps macho or military macho kind of feelings as sure. you exit, and you're not going to sit there in a group of 20, 30, 40 people that are going to and say, you know, I think I might be having some mental health issues. <laughs> They're not going to do that, you know. Which actually leads me to. One of the things that the Mitchell Hash Foundation offers is Reboot Combat Recovery. Is that correct? That is correct. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Oh, I'd love to. Um, Reboot is a, uh, a good program that literally lasts for 12 weeks. And uh, it is, we meet once a week. Uh, we, um, we buy the curriculum from uh, the uh, author, who is uh, Dr. Jenny Owens, uh, a, a brilliant curriculum that is simple, mm -hmm. yet very good uh, to, you know, that helps so many people. Uh, how that works is that uh, the Mitchell Hash Foundation, we raise money uh, to uh, pay for the curriculum, pay for the t-shirts, pay for the uh, certificates of graduation, pay for the frames, and mm -hmm. to you know pay for the food that we feed everybody for, that's there for two hours every Tuesday. Let's say um, we pay for um, all of uh, those things, and uh, we also get the volunteers, uh, we get the venue where it's going to be held, um, and the curriculum itself is faith-based, and so it. 
it literally drills down to even childhood mm -hmm. uh, because some of these things that go from childhood all the way through your careers and military and and so forth can uh, and your 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 inability to uh, to reacclimate uh, sometimes what happens is the trauma that you are that uh, you know affects you it's it's a it's a healing process that a lot of times you don't allow yourself when you're coming out of the military to actually process. You don't allow yourself to heal because I'm a Marine <laughs> or whatever. I'm not supposed to have any effects from this uh, trauma. I'm, you know, there's no such thing as losing. There's right. no such thing as, and, and what happens a lot of times is the, that uh, people come back from, um, from the military and they don't, uh, they're not respected as, you know, here they are sacrificing. Uh, yeah, they, they do get a small paycheck, you know, but here they are sacrificing for the citizens who are basically spitting in their face. Uh, and mm. that hap happens. And that, that yeah. is such a shame. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we mentioned trauma and we talk about the person who takes their own life. Um, but there's also trauma on the family and the people yeah. that they leave behind, you being one. And uh, I think yep. you mentioned that Mitchell is not your only child. No, uh, April is, uh, was his sister, uh, who I think has, you know, they were best friends, essentially. Uh, they were roommates when she got out of college and when uh, he came back from the military. Um, and so they, uh, it, I don't think that she really has been able to um, you know, fully, she's, she worries about me, <laughs> you know, I worry about her. Um, and uh, so to have lost her brother, right. you know, uh, it was very devastating. Uh, she had already had a, a child who was about one year old, um, and, um, and then she just, uh, not quite three years ago, had a, a twin boys. And, nice. and so we get, uh, I'm so blessed uh, to have um, the opportunity to be able to see them frequently. And, um, and uh, Mitchell was a, a very, um, he, he was, I mean, I got a new car, for instance, and, and this is, you know, the uh, months before he died. And um, I was like, you know, come on, drive it, you know, and, you know, it's got all these bells and whistles, and, and he, he's driving it, and he's holding on to the um, steering wheel, and the steering wheel, you know, vibrates because he went over to the line a little bit too far, and he goes, man, this thing can drive itself, you know, and, uh, and he, he used to do um, uh, impressions and mm -hmm. things like that, and I don't know if you, Matthew McConaughey, of course, uh, does, we know, you know him. Yeah, of course. So he he was doing a, a Matthew McConaughey impression about. Um, he goes, it's not about the money, it's not about the prestige, it's about what I'm going to do with this booger when I'm finished rolling it. <laughs> I was like, where did so you he, get that from? <laughs> he obviously had a sense of humor. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah. Always kept us laughing. He was always the. Uh, as a matter of fact, at his, at his funeral, oh my gosh, at his funeral, uh, it was amazing how many people came from literally all over the country. Um, it was standing room only. They had to open up extra rooms in the, in the uh, funeral parlor, and they literally had to open up the double doors on the way in so that people could stand outside. 
and uh, well, that speaks volume about his character. Yeah. And was did I did I hear correctly when I first spoke to you that he was also engaged prior to he was married this? for two years. He was years. married for two years. Yeah, yeah, he was married for so two he years. He has left a widow. Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you give to someone who either has had someone in their life that has died by suicide or maybe struggling with some depression and maybe concerned for their safety? Oh, the first thing to do is if, if you know of someone, for instance, um, I always, even on uh, my uh, brochures and whatnot, it will say, um, call 911 if it's an emergency. And I'll tell you, this wristband, for instance, actually was worn by a police officer. And, wow. um, and I gave him a whole bag. <laughs> for, and, and it's, he went to a 911, um, and there was this gentleman who was actually um, uh, sitting there with a uh, pistol on the floor between his legs. Oh my gosh. And he was that close. Yes, mm. he was that close. Mm. And the police officer said, um, uh, started to talk to him because he had CIT training, which is really good. Uh, it's, CIT training is? It's for, uh, well, Region 10 puts it on. It's uh, uh, for, um, I can't remember the, uh, what, the, what it stands for, but it's, it's for, trauma, I'm guessing. yeah, it's, yeah. So in other words, it's for caring. Um, and, um, and I think the last Commonwealth, the previous Commonwealth attorney uh, actually um, was able to put that through. And so the training, the extra training that the first responders get is for, for basically caring on the other side. Mm -hmm. So instead of being kind of like on the attack, and instead it's more like, you know, let's seek first to understand. And so it's very good training. And so um, what they, what he was doing is talking to him, but he had his hand like laying on his, uh, his uh, knee. Mm -hmm. And the, they were close, but he wasn't being confrontational. And the guy was, you know, was broken down uh, emotionally and mentally. And he asked the police officer, he said, he said, all of what you're saying, I just want to hear about this. Mm -hmm. And he pointed to the wristband. And that's when that officer told him our story. And he said, man, you don't want to do that to your family. Right. He says, this too shall pass. And it saved that gentleman's life. Wow, good for that officer, good for the training. Mm -hmm. I think we all need a little bit more training and sensitivity. I mentioned to you prior to the interview that in my family there have been some suicides and it affects everybody. Um, so let's share some resources that are on your website or some resources that you would like to share with our listeners so that we can raise the awareness mm -hmm. and give some good resources. So first of all, uh, you'll see Reboot Recovery on there. Uh, it is focused on healing from uh, service-related trauma. Uh, we also uh, have um, uh, a, a card that is that on the back is, is some of the resources here where it's um, text start to 741741 
and that will begin a conversation with a person on the other end uh, through the um, AFSP for uh, people who are having suicidal thoughts. Um, you can also go to 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-784-2433. Uh, veterans can go to 800-273-8255. Um, and there's an app that is where you can actually have a, a checking in or call for help. Uh, go to um, my3app.org and that will give you uh, a way of being able to check in. Right. Um, the, there is a Hope Line, 800-442-4673. There's a prayer line as well, 800-786-8861. Those are all fantastic resources, mm -hmm. and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I want to also, we have a little bit more time, and I think from my own personal perspective and family members, mm -hmm. I see a lot of people who have had someone in their life die by suicide and feel the guilt. How do you deal with that and any advice for our listeners today? Well, the guilt, oh my goodness. Guilt and all the whys and the what ifs and you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda and all these things just really do, they're like a flood. It's like a flood. And I believe that you can take that energy eventually. It won't happen immediately, typically. Uh, but um, it kind of happened fairly immediately for me, but I think that was just because it was a calling. Um, and, and by God's grace, I will tell you, I spent so much time in the Bible. I was... Thank goodness I had already started a real estate team and they were able to pick up the slack uh, for me uh, while I was uh, basically just burying myself in reading the Bible. And it was amazing how um, I would just sit and cry, sit and cry. I would cry in the shower, I would cry at the sink, I would cry everywhere. And, um, and it was... Um, it could have been overwhelming, I think, had I not been, if somebody had, honestly, when it first happened, if somebody had said, you know, at her, his funeral, here's an extra coffin, mm. you know, yeah. Wow. That's, yeah, yeah. Ooh, okay. Um, so it doesn't have so to be guilt, that way. Guilt, guilt and, and. It's uh, something that we need to get past. And the because thing. Because you, you know, going back to the beginning. Yeah. There are no signs, right? Not if for us. Are, we couldn't. It's like, what, who, would have, who would have thought that, you know, throwing your textbook because you were trying to figure on out whether or not you wanted to change your major was a sign of suicide? It, you know, it's just, it's just not. Uh, that we would have thought, I mean, you know, here we are trying to make a decision and it's just like so frustrating, you know. Uh, and I, I get that. Uh, but that's not the first thing that comes to your mind. Right. And, um, but that isn't, I think, what typically most people would think of as a sign. I mean, someone that's clinically depressed, he obviously wasn't that person. But if someone is suffering depression, do we automatically think, oh, my God, they could commit suicide? 
No. I mean, you've done a lot of research. Yeah. I know you've worked with Region 10. So if you could speak to that a little so bit. Not necessarily. Um, I think people that have suicidal thoughts, um, I will say there are people that, that have those thoughts that end up not being able to express them. Uh, so you do have to ask the questions flat out. Do you have, do you have suicidal thoughts? Just ask it. Ask Don't. the question, and I hate to cut you off at that excellent advice, but we are out of time for today. I want to thank Cynthia Hash for being my guest and speaking candidly with Candace. And I want to remind everybody that every cloud has a silver lining.